Welcome to Trevecca Community Church's Sermon Podcast Series. Each week we'll be streaming our sermon from within the sanctuary just for you. Now I am going to him who sent me. Yet none of you ask, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I did not go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin because they do not believe in me about righteousness because I am going to the Father and you will see me no longer, about judgment because the ruler of this world has been condemned. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. For this reason I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. There was a day that I could run up those steps. We've been at our district camp meeting all week, and one day during one of the meals, I was sitting by this little boy, and he was carrying on wonderful conversation. So I turned to him and I said, son, how old are you? He said, seven. He looked at me and said, how old are you? And I asked the wrong question. <laughs> How old do you think I am? He looked at me again and said, a hundred? <laughs> well, I'm on the way. Amen. <laughs> On July the 4th, 1776, The members of the Continental Congress meeting in Philadelphia signed the Declaration of Independence. With this action, the American Revolution was launched and a new nation was born. It was believed that on that very day, King George III of England wrote in his diary, nothing important happened today. July the 4th, 1776. Today in the Christian church is Pentecost Sunday. For on the day of Pentecost, 120 followers of Christ were gathered in Jerusalem. Suddenly, the Spirit of God filled 
each one of them. On that day, the very day, the church was born. It is doubtful that any historian of the time saw the significance of that event. It was on that day the Holy Spirit, the third person of the triune Godhead, came upon the believers, filling them with the Spirit. On that day, the Church of Jesus Christ was born. The world has never been the same, just as God intended. The body of Christ became the bride of Christ. Thus, the Church of the Nazarene declares in Article 3 of our 16 Articles of Faith, and I quote it, We believe in the Holy Spirit, the third person of the triune Godhead, that he is ever-present and efficiently active in and with the Church of Christ convincing the world of sin, regenerating those who repent and believe, sanctified believers, and guiding into all truth as in Christ Jesus. That's the third article of faith. One of the great possessions of our church is the 16 articles of faith. By the way, it would be good if we'd all go back and read them occasionally so that we can not only individually but corporately embrace these strong biblical statements of our faith. It was uh, my privilege serving actively back then as General Superintendent Church of the Nazarene. It, it was our privilege to be in Vietnam. In that country, at that time, about 300 people identified themselves with the Church of the Nazarene. Before they made that identification, they were asked by the leaders to recite from memory all 16 articles of faith. Well, we just all lost our membership, didn't we? <laughs> Ever since the Holy Spirit came, filling those first century believers on the first Pentecost, following our Lord's return to heaven, God has been present in the world, here and now. He is present through the church and through the church, God is revealing himself to the world. In our scripture today that we read in John 16, verses 5 through 16, we discover the work of the Holy Spirit. Let's look at this. Number one, the Holy Spirit convinces and convicts of sin, of righteousness, and judgment. We need someone to convince us. We don't do very well trying to convince each other. We need someone to convict us when we are wrong. 
Anybody here never been wrong? Don't, don't raise your hand. If you do, you're wrong now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and at times, we need correction. We need convincing that we're wrong. The Holy Spirit will do that as we listen to his voice. We want to live right. We want to live holy. We want to live godly in this present world. So we open our, ourselves to the work of the Holy Spirit to convict us, to correct us when our judgments and our attitudes and our conversations are not holy and bring honor to God. Some time ago, and at that time, an active district superintendent in our church said, now I want to tell you a story. When I was a young pastor, and I sat in a district assembly, the presiding general was R.T. Williams. And he was presiding along, and in that day, they called on every pastor of the church to come and stand individually before the assembly to give a report for his or her church for the year. Well, one pastor came, gave his report, but it was not a good report. He did not show any growth. He was not able to pay his budgets in full. Well, after his report, Dr. Williams, the presiding general superintendent, looked at that young pastor and reprimanded him for not having a better year. The assembly dismissed for lunch. After lunch, all the delegates and friends came back. Dr. Williams stood to the podium and he called that young pastor by name and asked him to stand. The pastor was nervous. He didn't know what else was going on. And then Dr. Williams, with a tear in his voice, said, Young man, I ask you to forgive me. This morning when you gave your report, which was not a good report, I reprimanded you in the wrong spirit. And during lunch, I, I didn't go to lunch. He said, I fasted, I prayed. And I asked God to correct that area in my life. And so I'm asking you before this assembly to forgive me. Isn't that the way we want to live? Open ourselves to the correction of the Holy Spirit so that when our attitude is not right, our conversations are not holy and bring honor to God, we ask the Holy Spirit to bring that correction in our hearts. And it, this happens because we are convinced by the Holy Spirit. There is a place in Wesleyan holiness theology for confession and repentance. And the church said, amen. I want to repeat that. There is a place in our Wesleyan holiness theology for confession and repentance. Now, I was saved at a very young age, brought up in a wonderful Christian home with lay parents who served God, served the church so well, family prayer every day. 
And I so often remember how we prayed together. We asked forgiveness together. We trusted God together. God gave victory to our church. You see, God has not only called us to be a holiness church, he's called us to be a holy people who live and serve and work in the leadership of the Holy Spirit. So thank God the Holy Spirit convinces and corrects us. I also notice that the Holy Spirit connects us with God. That was read in verses 13, 14, and 15. For he will guide you into all truth. All things that the Father has are mine, and I will take of what is mine, and I will declare it to you. And Jesus said, I in them, and they in me. Without this reality, Christianity would just be a religion. But because the Holy Spirit has come, we have a relationship with God. Think about that. We are connected with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our companion. The Holy Spirit is our comforter. Jesus said in these verses read this morning, if I do not go away, the helper, the comforter will not come to you. He has come. The Holy Spirit is God in the normal of Christian faith. He guides us into all truth. The Holy Spirit gives us spiritual wisdom, gives us knowledge and understanding of truth. The Holy Spirit reveals truth as we read and hear the word of the Lord. God's word is inspired by the Holy Spirit. You believe that this morning? God's word is inspired by the Holy Spirit. And I have discovered this. It's a beautiful thought reality. The Holy Spirit continues to inspire. The Holy Spirit continues to reveal truth. And I know you experienced that in your life. How many times have you read and studied God's word? And then you, uh, uh, later you read and study maybe even the same scripture. And all of a sudden you see some, something new. Some new truth to guide your life, to live by, to bring honor to God by. And what is this? That's the Holy Spirit continuing to inspire the Word of God, the truth of God. I also notice in this scripture that the Holy Spirit transforms us into the image of Christ. Friends, that's great truth this morning for all of us. There's hope for us. There's help for us. The Holy Spirit transforms us into the image of Christ. We can then live in right relationship with God, right relationship with others, 
and as Dr. Dudden so strongly advocates, in right relationship with the earth. Dr. Dudden, thank you for the amen. <laughs> and that truth that he just drives home to all of us, and it is truth. The Holy Spirit will put us in a right relationship with the earth as well. Jesus <clears throat> continues this message in John, the 17th chapter, where Jesus prayed, Keep them from the evil of the world through your name. Isn't that a wonderful prayer that Jesus prays? Keep us from the evil of the world. Sanctify them by your word. For Jesus declared in verse 23, the 17th chapter, I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one. That the love with which you've loved me may be in them and I in them. Sanctify them by your word, for your word is truth. Imagine this, Christ within. Christ, Jesus Christ, his love in us. His, we restored in his image, in his righteousness. And we read in Ephesians 4, 24. Great holiness message in that verse. We were created to be like God in true righteousness and in holiness. Now, we weren't created to be God. I've met a few people who seem to have that mixed up. No, but we were created to be like God. We know that in the fall, humankind lost the image of God. And thank God for the work of the Holy Spirit that transforms us so that we will look like Jesus Christ. We submit to the work of the Holy Spirit in his sanctifying power and presence which transforms us into the likeness of Jesus Christ. Thank God we are not what we used to be. We are not who we used to be. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has come and transforms us and continues to transform us into the likeness of Jesus Christ. Friends, this gives us victory over the desire to serve self. God can give us that victory where you're not always seeking to serve yourself. Why? Because the Holy Spirit coming in his fullness crucifies the sinful self and resurrects a new self, a new self to be like Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. From time to time, as I examine my own heart in my walk with the Lord, I ask God, oh God, help me to be like you in my actions, in the way I treat people, in the way I respond and treat God's church. Do I love God with everything that is within me, with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength? Do I love my neighbor as myself? This is the image of God. This is Christ's likeness. This is the life 
This is a standard to which God calls us. And we sing that phrase in the song called the holiness, stamp thine own image deep on my heart. Oh, there's good news for us this morning, church. The Holy Spirit sets us free from the dominion of sin. The Holy Spirit empowers us to abandon self. Have you abandoned self? The Holy Spirit empowers you. It's the work of the Holy Spirit to help us to make the choice to intentionally abandon self, to die to self. One of the great preachers at our church in the yesteryears, and one Moody and I so much admired, was Dr. T.W. Willingham. He's gone to heaven now. If you ever run across any of his tapes, in fact, I think I loaned the religion department here a set of Dr. Willingham's tapes. Such great gospel he preached. And when he would preach, and we, had, we heard him often, he would give his testimony. And it, he would always say, I died to myself. I went to my old funeral. Have you been to your old funeral where you died to yourself and, and died to self-centeredness? Oh, this is what the church needs. This is what every church needs. For the people to die out to self-centeredness. Friends, it's not about us. It's about God. It's about the kingdom of God. All that we are, all that we seek, all that we hope to be a part of. It's not about us. It's the kingdom of God. We are kingdom people on this journey. God can help us and deliver us from self-centeredness. Well, you might ask, what is self-centeredness? How do I know if I'm self-centered? <laughs> I've met a few people who did not seem to know that. How do I know? Let me state this. When we weigh issues by how they relate to us rather than how they relate to the kingdom of God, then we're self-centered. I don't have time to go into this illustration, but in one church when Moody was serving as district superintendent in South Carolina, the, the, somebody from the church board called and said, you've got to come, meet with our church board. We're, we're having some terrible disagreement. And it's, it's not going the right direction. So he went. The whole issue was, the church was growing so rapidly, they were, they were going to have to, and they had a huge foyer, they were going to have to extend the sanctuary to where it would t uh, provide more pews, but there would be less room in the foyer. So one person said, oh, you're going to rearrange those pews. And one of those pews has got my plaque on it where I bought that pew in memory of my mama. And you're going to do away with that pew to put in chair, or chairs to have more room for people. I don't agree with that. And he was pitching a fit. And I thought, how self-centered can you be? Weighing issues, you get it? Weighing issues by how they relate to me 
me, 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 rather than how it relates to the kingdom of God and brings glory and honor to God as we seek to serve people and help God extend his kingdom on earth. This experience, this relationship, by the way, is not a destination. It's the entrance. We continue to grow. And my, how Dr. Judman preached at our district camp meeting this week about growing in the Spirit and allowed the Holy Spirit to continue to help us grow. Last of all, the Holy Spirit empowers us to live out the purpose of our lives individually and corporately. In the 16th chapter of John, 13th verse, he will guide you into all truth. Whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you of things to come. We are focused, I pray, to carry out the purpose of God in our lives, individually and corporately. Jesus said, ask, you will receive, that your joy will be full. The church, born that day in what we recognize as Pentecost, that church, born that day, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, could not stay in their holy huddles. That's what happens when the Holy Spirit comes. We get out of our holy huddles, and we get out there to be witnesses for Jesus Christ. It, when there's spiritual breakthrough, it moves a congregation out of itself and into the world to which God has called it. That early church had to move. They moved out as one united body in one accord. And they became the body of Christ. They heard the sound of the wind. In Hebrew, the word for wind is the same word used for the spirit, the voice, the breath of God. Everyone was amazed, the scripture said. And they asked, what is going on? Wouldn't you love to hear that today? So much of the movement of God Till people would say, what is going on? There's something happening in that church. There's something happening to the people of that church. What is going on? And when there is spiritual breakthrough, something will happen. We know that. And when they asked that question, Peter stood and said, now you listen carefully. He said, these men are not drunk. This is, the, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, that in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. And Peter continued, God has raised this Jesus to life. He was not abandoned to the grave. He is exalted at the right hand of God. The promised Holy Spirit has been poured out. This, as Peter said, this is what you now see. 
This is what you now hear. Then the people ask another question. What do we do? That's the proper question to ask. What do we do? And in the power of the Holy Spirit, Peter answered that question too. Repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children and for all whom the Lord our God will call. Friends, this includes all of us. This includes you and me. This promise is to us. And on that day, 3,000 people were saved. That 120 followers of Christ became 3,120. They received power. They became the witnesses of Jesus Christ. And 21 centuries later, Jesus continues to say to the church, to his followers, and you, and you, and you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. But it doesn't end there, even though that's good news. And you will be my witnesses. Hear that? You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Acts 1.8. By the way, that's the missional golden text of the New Testament. So we ask, is this verse for us today? Is it for you today? You can kind of nod your head if you believe that, that this is for us. This promise, it's a promise that we'll be his witnesses. It's the same spirit, the same Lord, and the same needs in our hearts and in our church and in our world. Can you imagine what those disciples must have thought when Jesus said to them, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses. I kind of think they had thoughts like this. Did Jesus say in Jerusalem? Now realize their relationship with Jerusalem. But Lord, that's home. That's where it seemed the devil had a victory. That's the place of the dark night that we experienced. And you are telling us to begin our witness there. Oh, yes. Oh, that's where it begins. With all of us in our Jerusalem, in our homes, in our families. How long has it been since you've witnessed, testified? to those of your own household and family. The Holy Spirit says, go to your Jerusalem. Be a witness in your Jerusalem. Jesus said, and Judea. Lord, you know how unbelieving that nation is? How will my witness ever count there for righteousness? I think you probably feel the same way I do. 
even though we are seeing a lot of evil and things happening in our own country that we wish to God they were not happening. I am personally not about to side off the United States for God. God could still redeem us. God could still get glory through his nation called a Christian nation that will bring honor and glory to him. And we need to continue to pray for the United States of America as well as the ends of the earth that God would bring redemption and right living and, and respect for God and, and the church. God is still with us. And God says, go out, church. Be my witnesses. Start there in, in your Jerusalem and Judea. That wasn't all Jesus told them. Go to Samaria. Oh, Samaria. Can you imagine what those disciples thought? Oh, Lord, not them. Samaritans, they represent the doubted out, the disenfranchised. Hey, the church sends us there, too. I mean, God sends the church there, too, to the doubted outers. And aren't we glad? For one day, we all did not know Christ. We were down and out spiritually. Some are more down and out in other ways. But we're all down and out without Jesus Christ. But God says, I want you to go. I want you to go to Samaria. Church, he says to us today, go to the homeless. Go to the hungry. Go to those in prison. How to respond. How do we care for the hungry, the sick, and show mercy and grace to them? The Holy Spirit comes upon us. We do this in the power of the Holy Spirit. And as we carry out God's purpose for our lives, then can you imagine how those followers of Christ felt and thought when they heard Jesus say, go to the ends of the earth? That's why the Church of the Nazarene challenges all of us, inspires all of us to go to the ends of the earth. That's why missions is a heartbeat in the church of the Nazarene because it's not just us and our holy huddles we get into and, and enjoy each other's fellowship relationships, which we ought to. But God also says, go to the ends of the earth, for I'm calling you with this great message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to share it with everybody everywhere. That is the calling of God. It's not either or, it's both and. God sends us to all peoples. And uh, also, when Moody and I were in Vietnam, they were loaded us up on a bus with some other followers of Christ and drove, drove us across the country a ways to an orphanage that the Church of the Nazarene had begun and was operating. And uh, what a blessing it was to, to visit there. On the way, it was getting lunch time. So the bus driver pulled us into an open-air restaurant, which is most of our restaurants are open-air restaurants. So we were sitting there having our lunch together. And I looked and I saw our leader over at another table with our bus driver. And that leader had his Bible open as he was talking 
to our bus driver. So I said to those about me, what is happening over here at this table? He said, well, you see, there are bus drivers not a believer in Jesus Christ. So our mission leader saw this as an opportunity to witness to him. So there our leader, as dangerous and risky as it was at that time, that had his Bible open, and he was witnessing and praying with our non-believing bus driver. That said something to me. God, he, I said, he gets it. These people get it. They witness. While the rest of us were having lunch, he was forgetting about lunch because he saw an opportunity to witness for Christ. When the Nazarenes of that country come together on Sunday, they report how many people they witnessed to during the week. Not a bad exercise, is it? How many people did you witness to this week? And so I asked the question, do you have some type of tally of that? They said, yeah, we do. We keep up with it. Because when they report it, we write it down. And they're witnessing to about 1,000 people a week. Think about it. Even though it was a risk for them to share Christ in some, in some environments. So I ask you this morning, ask God to search your heart. Am I in right relationship with God and others? What is happening? Am I sharing my witness with others as God has called me to do? When God has brought about such a change in our lives and we're inspired to live for him, we must continue to connect to the Holy Spirit and be transformed in the image of Christ. Jesus said, I'm going away. And when I go, I will send the Holy Spirit. We celebrate that coming today. The Holy Spirit comes to give grace and power to the church. Why? Not, not power within itself. There has to be a purpose. And that purpose is so that we would be empowered to be witnesses of Christ. That's the bottom line. Let's don't forget that. That's why the Holy Spirit comes upon us and in us and works through us. So that we might be uh, uh, successful, effective witnesses for the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh God. Break through it upon us. For when the Holy Spirit comes, the barriers are broken. Communities are formed. Unity is established. Bodies are healed. Cities are renewed. Homes are rearranged. Leaders are encouraged as well as the laity. On the day of Pentecost, it could not be written Nothing significant happened today. And as we today celebrate Pentecost, and as you celebrate individually, I pray that something significant happens within you today. New light, new truth that God's given you. New inspiration, revelation, and happens today. Let us stand, please.
I think all of us have a desire, a deep desire, that the church and this congregation also will experience a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. Do you desire a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit? Friends, what we experience when we enter the kingdom of God is not su sufficient to carry us all of the journey all the rest of the way. We need the Holy Spirit to come and renew it and fresh and filling power and presence so that we can be effective witnesses for the Lord Jesus Christ. So whatever the Lord's talked to you about this morning, you're in the church of the Nazarene, thank God we have altars. No, how Dr. Judah preached about that this week at camp meeting. Let's don't be afraid of the altars. That's where we meet God. We meet him personally. We meet him corporately. So if God's talked to you about something this morning and you want to talk to God about it, you want to talk to him about it, the altar is open as we sing. God help us to obey him. Thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to join us on campus next week, we have discipleship classes beginning at 9 a.m. followed by service at 10.30. That service will be streamed to Facebook Live. We hope to see you there.